Hello and welcome to Clarence Street Stories, the podcast about people and news around Clarence Street in the oldest part of Dunleary. I'm Aileen O'Mara and today I'm talking to Alison Hackett. And Alison, welcome to Clarence Street Stories. Thank you, Aileen. Alison, you're a publisher, but you're a lot more. And I know, first of all, I would ask you, what are your connections with Dunleary? Tell me about that. Uh, I actually went to boarding school in Dunleary, so that was Glengarra Park on Glenagiri Hill, which is now uh, closed down as a school and amalgamated with Rathdown. And it's, it's now a nursing home. Um, so I was six years there as a boarder, and then I lived in Dunleary for many years after being a student and mm. uh, came back after I'd travelled abroad and lived there permanently now. You live there permanently now, yeah. so you're a resident really, aren't you? Oh, yeah. totally, yeah. And there's something special about Dunleary, isn't there? Absolutely love it, yeah. yeah. One of my um, pieces that's most important to me is the piece I've written about walking the pier in Dunleary and just my love mm. for Dunleary, mm. which replaced my love for Caribbean Cork, where I first uh, was born and came from, and uh, both places are on the sea, so mm. the sea is a very big deal for me. So while I described you as a publisher and a lot more, you're a writer, you're a publisher, and I know you write lots of letters to the papers and that. But really today we want to talk about one particular book that you've Mm -hmm. published called The Visual Time Traveller. Okay, so tell me, for people who don't know what The Visual Time Traveller is, describe it for me. Okay, so The Visual Time Traveller is a visual book. It's um, describing history in pictures is perhaps the simplest way to put it. But I took around 500 years of history, so from the year 1500 right up to 2013 when it was published. I divided that into five-year time jumps, and for each five years I researched and found 12 things that happened in those five years. And they could be anything. They could be a big historical fact that people know about, or they could be things that people wouldn't necessarily know, such as the stethoscope was invented The plan was then, once I'd got the 12 facts, that I would create or have somebody else create a design to go around it. So there was a visual way to remember some of the facts. So the easiest example to use is perhaps 1895 to 1900. And I discovered that in those five years, Bram Stoker was writing Dracula, actually here in Dublin. Mm -hmm. And in the same five years, aspirin was first invented or uh, created. And there's a molecule for aspirin, which is is salicylic acid or some name similar to that. And um, on that page, so if you open that page, you immediately have this huge visual clue as to what's going on. So there's a picture of Dracula. Mm-hmm. We're just looking at and that. then down near Dracula's teeth, you can see there's a molecule, but you wouldn't necessarily know what this molecule was. So, mm-hmm. so it's already your curiosity is sparked. It's very black and white, and yeah. then this red molecule yeah. on it. Yeah. Very dramatic, and, very and dramatic. everybody would guess the sort yeah. of Dracula bit or the, and the Batman eyes or bats. something. The eyes yeah. are bats. It's really very and, um, But but the thing is that uh, the fun for me was when I first saw this design. So I realised they'd picked out these two facts. I'd sent them twelve facts. There's other things that happened. Mm-hmm. So such as um, The Importance of Being Earnest, which is Oscar Wilde's famous play, was first performed. Pavlov's dogs were being analysed, the saliva experiment. But back to the visual, Mm -hmm. um, we immediately know there's there's something scientific going on with the molecule. But when I first saw this design, the great fun thing was that um, it occurred to me that if if Bram Stoker 
had known the fact that aspirin thins the blood, which we now know, we discovered that later, he could have had Dracula giving his victims a dose of aspirin before he went off to take his drink of blood, just to make sure he got lots of it. Well, so, so there was yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of, um, as, as the book emerged and as I, I give talks on it, Extra things emerge, which is great fun for me too. There's things I mightn't have spotted before or connections that other people see. And the the way the designers did this was so creative that every page was a blast of something new. We Mm. turned the page from this and we're on um, 1900 to 1905. And most of us here in Ireland will know it's a pale blue. And then there is a kind of an outline of Joyce with a map inside him. And this, we discover, is the map of Dublin with the streets named as they were named at the time, which is in 1900, between 1900 and 1905. And then the main fact on this page is that James Joyce had his first outing with Nora Barnacle and they walked all around Dublin. And, of course, this is what... Uh, this is now Bloomsdale. It was the 16th of June in 1904. And uh, all of the Ulysses, the whole book was based around um, yes. this walk around Dublin, mm-hmm. but he was mapping Odysseus's journey, the famous journey um, mm. of trying to get back to Penelope. So, And every single page in this wonderful book has this amazing amount of facts and visuals in it. And absolutely, it's literally yeah. literally called we, the visual time travel. The visual time, because you are travelling through time with visuals. And the next page, Einstein's writing equals MC squared, famous equation, so there is a science fact uh, but also you have Picasso was developing cubism. So that page has all cubes link, as well as the E equals MC mm. squared. So in, in various shades of greens and then That's purple right. And yeah, blue. and and a little bit of an optical illusion. You need to set your head back a little bit to kind of see it quickly. Um, but for me, that would come back to maybe my love of um, cryptic crosswords. And I like a puzzle. And I, my brief to the designers was that I wanted the absolute wow factor so that when you turn the page, you just go, mm. oh, my goodness, there's something new. Whereas most books and especially design type books, they would have a similarity on every page. Whereas the brief here was this is more like artwork, really, because there's a whole new concept going on. And mm. it because of this uncovered spine, the other lovely thing about this book is it sits open on your coffee table. So it is a coffee table book. It's a coffee table book, but but you can have a page lying open. And because of this, the the way the spine has been designed, it sits open really beautifully. Mm -hmm. And you get to see the full page of of the two pages opening out. And we're open here on the page where Napoleon is exiled on the island of St. Helena. Um, after the Battle of Waterloo and in the same five years this is 1815 to 1820 a Russian captain sighted Antarctica and he noted it in his logbook so the designers just came up with this gorgeous idea it's all blues and then a tiny little red Napoleon on the island of St Helena and then Antarctica um, in a map-like fashion and way back on one of the earliest pages 1500 to 1505 a Portuguese explorer um, had discovered the island of St Helena. So there are fantastic threads that run through mm-hmm. this. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a slow book, really. It's more like slow food rather than rather than oh, a zip yeah. through. Which I think we're get, all getting to appreciate much more now mm. than we ever did. Alison, this is an art book. You know, it's an art book quality publication. It was printed in the Netherlands, but it was, you know, written designed. by you, designed here. Um, how long did it take you to do that? Um, it actually took, I know this sounds fast, but it was a year and a half. Um, but it did grow out of work I had been doing before when I worked for the Institute of Physics. And in that time, one of the last big outreach projects I did, I'm very interested in outreach, 
was to create a poster which was a timeline of physics, um, but giving not just physics, it was a timeline of other subjects as well. Uh, so it had, from again, running from a similar time period, um, opening it here to show mm -hmm. Aileen, um, you can see along the centre line is where um, the physics is. So you've got mm. Copernicus and Newton and very famous people up through to Einstein and then the Higgs boson, uh, right, is the last fact mm. I had in 2012. Um, or the Higgs boson wasn't quite there then. Yeah. But that's actually in the book. I, I managed to get a little further in the book because this is a year earlier. But then you glance with your eyes up and down and you suddenly see... Oh, here we have Michelangelo completing the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. 1512. Yeah. In 1512, you've got 1517, Martin Luther posting the 95 Thesis leading to the Reformation. And, and you've got Newton, mm. as I said, Galileo, further down, you've got sports, you've got golf was first played in St Andrews in Scotland around 1400. You've got roulette, first played in Paris in 1796. And then other science facts. So mm. this was a project for schools. Yeah, and I wanted to, mm -hmm. and we did give this poster to every school in Ireland. And um, the idea I wanted was that when this poster went up on the wall, that not only a science teacher would be interested in it, but a geography teacher or an art teacher. Again, I wanted that intrigue. And I wanted contextual, so I'm very inter mm. interdisciplinary, sure. so that we're not narrowing down into just one field only, because I think it's all interesting. Which, which makes your book then hard to kind of place or kind of put into a particular genre, doesn't it? It does in a way, and one of those things that happened when I was creating it, I would mm. constantly be asked, especially by business people, who's the market, who's yes. the market, who's mm. it for? And I got a little bit frustrated with this because I, of course, was saying, look, it's for anybody who can read or has eyes. You know, this is this is a very broad appeal. But that that frustrates business people. They like to know the niche market you're after. Market, yeah. So literally to keep people happy, I started saying, look, it's for the thinking graduate. So it's somebody who's very curious but the point about this is there's visuals, but you can also dig really deep. Mm -hmm. You can get interested in some of the facts on one of the pages and go off on tangents, go research it. And I've actually done this with the primary school kids. Um, they were as young as kind of 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, I got, showed them how the book worked and then asked them all to do their own design, to pick one of the five-year time periods. I was absolutely stunned with what they came up with. So like anybody can tailor Facebook to themselves, anybody can come into the visual time traveller and kind of tailor it to themselves because you, you can understand the concept, Aileen, mm. but you would have written a different book. Yeah. You would have chosen different facts. So every page I wanted some facts to resonate with everybody. We all know the biggies. But then I wanted those quirky, odd, different little ones that people wouldn't know. Uh, for example, in the 1520s, Martin Luther smuggled 12 nuns out of a convent and they were actually smuggled out in herring barrels and one of them became his wife and I just knew people wouldn't necessarily know that fact so that page is all designed around the um, the nuns in the barrels so yeah it's 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 very rich, yeah. I suppose, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. very um, accessible mm -hmm. is the point of the book. So much so that some academics tend to think it's just a simple book, but I don't believe no, it is. It's nothing but simple, yeah. Where can people find it? Where can people buy it? Um, you can find all about more, lots more about it online on the websites, thevisualtimetraveller.ie, on my publishing website, 21cr.ie. 
and uh, it's in bookshops, so it's in Hodges Figgis, it's in Alan Hannah's over in Rathmines, and they're the library suppliers, so any library looking for this book can order through Alan Hannah's in Rathmines, and um, the Science Gallery in Trinity also have it. Beyond that, it's not very widely distributed yet. I'm still getting it out there and getting it known. Which is one of the challenges, isn't it, when, yes. you, you know, when yeah. you're doing it yourself? Yeah. And you mentioned your, you know, your other website. You have the Visual Time Traveller, but you also have the other one, 21CR. So tell me, what is, where did that name come from, 21CR? Yeah, when I was uh, when I was deciding to sort of start kick off this project and stop working for the Institute of Physics, um, I needed a name, and, and I was wondering what umbrella to work under. I knew a lot of the things I, I was doing. I could just be Alison Hackett. A lot of people use their own name in their businesses, but I knew I wanted to do a lot of different things. I also knew I was taking a very original and different approach in many things, both in the letters I'd been writing to the papers, in this plan for this book, that it was very kind of broad and ambitious and probably hadn't really been done in that way before. So for me, it kind of popped out uh, partly through the research for the book because what I realised about Renaissance people was they were, they were everything. They were, uh, if you think of Leonardo da Vinci, he was a scientist, he was a mathematician, he was an architect, he was an artist, he was a thinker, he was a writer, mm-hmm. incredibly creative, but incredibly smart across a lot of areas. And uh, so Renaissance was, it's such a lovely word. Yes. And it's about, Renaissance means rebirth. So for me, I felt that, and one of the things I do want to tackle is for me, things got too specialised in the 20th century. People tend to be in their little small areas, especially in academia. You learn more and more and more about a tinier and a tinier and a tinier mm. area, but not so many people have the skill of jumping back up and appreciating what somebody does in a very different area to you, whether they're an artist or whether they're a biologist or whether they're into geography or whether they're into politics. Yet, I think we're in a web. We're all part of all these things. So the name just kind of jumped out, 21st century, mm. Renaissance, why mm. not? Why not? And you have published other things as well. Not just I have, book. yeah, since this book. And in a way, these three come together. Um, so the, the other two books, which are also by me, I, I do hope to publish other people in the future, but these first three were very important to me. So the first one was uh, Crabbing, a, vo- a volume of poetry, a very, very deeply personal memoir that came out from a very personal story that we haven't quite time to cover here, but mm-hmm. connected with the loss of my mum at the age of 12. And I was in boarding school, actually, Glengarra Park, when I heard she had died, but hadn't known she had been ill. So that trauma I carried for a very long time. And really the visual time traveller in deciding to do that was the beginnings of beginning to cope with that. And in that journey, the poetry started at the same time, a very deeply emotional thing. But the book, The Visual Time Traveller, was just a fabulous project to be involved in. And in a way, at the end of the day, I really did it for myself as a 12-year-old. And this is the kind of book, it's the kind of way I would like to have learned history. Mm -hmm. I found history incredibly boring in school. This is a really fun way to learn history, but also for my mum. And she never knew I did it, but I know she would have loved it. The other book is a, um, it's the book of all the letters I've been writing to the papers. And in many ways, that's where my writing started in 2010. I put my head above the parapet and decided to start writing because I didn't see 
my opinions reflected very often in newspapers. I also didn't see women's opinions reflected very often. So I'm a woman and I'm a writer. So I decided to have a go at it and with time just began to have more and more success with getting letters into the papers and actually across papers, sometimes the same letters. So the day after the Trump election, the letter I wrote about that landed in five different newspapers, British and Irish. So that that's a great feeling. I have to say it's a little bit addictive. I have to uh, w- watch out how often I'm doing it, but it, it does feed something I'm really keen to feed in me, which is I want to be heard. And mm-hmm. this is really why I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a blog in there somewhere as well, Alison, is there, do you think? There definitely has been writing yeah. a blog for a good number of mm-hmm. years. I, ha- I have yeah. uh, probably nearly 100 of them now. Yeah. Um, and in a way, my letters are almost blog-like. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so. so anybody who's kind of watching what I'm doing, I have a, a Facebook page for the Visual Time Traveller, but I never had a personal Facebook page. So it's quite nice for me that anybody looking at that page knows that there's personal stuff in there as well as things about the visual time traveller and the poetry and the letters. So mm-hmm. it, it really does reflect me, that page. And then I, I'm obviously on Twitter. I, I could not not be with, with all the letter writing, but that, that I have to watch out because you could be on it all day. Yeah, I mean, it's there's so much more we could talk about, Alison, and I know yeah. that um, we don't have a lot more time left to do that. But I think really, I think I, we would, I would encourage people to go and seek out the visual time traveller first of all because it's just fascinating to... And even to feel it, it's just a lovely yeah. feel about it. It's just a lovely book to hold. And I think as time goes on with all the digital stuff we're all doing, we're actually becoming more uh, conscious of how important books are. Yeah. And I know libraries are now free. And I even read an article this morning in the paper saying encouraging people to go back to libraries nice. and use them and sit and read because the beauty of a, of a book, first of all, is that it's not a screen, which I think is wonderful. It's just it's something to hold, something to look at. And I think you, particularly your book is just has that lovely feel about it. It's not just reading and learning, but you're actually experiencing something, a work of art, I think, really, yeah. is what no, you have that, here. It's thank you, Aileen. That's fabulous. No, it's beautiful. It really is. Um, Alison, um, people will want to find out a bit more when they hear about it. So we will just remind them of the website again. So it's thevisualtimetraveller.ie. Isn't that right? That's the it. Thevisualtimetraveller.ie. Um, two, L- two L's in, in Traveller. Yeah. Um, the and then there's your publishing. Um, and I, I'm interested because I didn't realise that, that you're planning to build the publishing business side of it as well yeah so it's 21 cr so that's number two number one cr dot ie is also a place where people can find more of the books that's it and i want to be known as an absolutely quality publisher Mm -hmm. which is why i'm not heading the online route so much i want the books to be beautiful so that people when they hold them they they get that feeling about them Thanks, Alison, for joining us today on Clarence Street Stories. Lovely to have you. Thank and you very much, James. As you say, I've given the websites there you can find out more. And if you want to subscribe to Clarence Street Stories, we're on Podbean and we're on iTunes and on Twitter at Aileen O'Mara. I'm Aileen O'Mara, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.